Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex. And that was a heck of a U.S. Open. Matt Fitzpatrick playing some big boy golf. Will Zaltoris coming up just short for the third time. Roy McIlroy, unfortunately, teasing us once more. And all of this against the backdrop of the potential fracturing at the top of the pro game. This could be yet another newsy week in the sport, more defections, some potential movement with the DP World Tour. We'll game it all out on this week's pod. But first, Odyssey is the number one putter on tour, and these putters continue to be the most played putters by far at the world's biggest events. In fact, Odyssey has been the number one putter at 43 straight majors after the U.S. Open. They're the number one putter on every major tour. They have the most worldwide wins of any putter brand this year. And their newest products like the White Hot OG, Tri Hot 5K, and the 11 are winning in the professional ranks. Now, for more on the number one putter on tour, visit odysseygolf.com, try the selector tool, and find your new putter today. All right, Rex, we've both returned home. You to Longwood, me to Nocte. First of all, what did your family get you for Father's Day? Uh, apparently, it's a very special gift. I'm very excited about this. Uh, apparently, it's a very special gift that the three bo- my three boys got together and invested, put all the money together. And invested? Like, they invested? That's right. Invested. Uh, my wife says it's going to be very cool. I'm going to like it because I came in, and um, this is not – I didn't have the, the best of days when I got home. The way, the way our kind of our home studios work is we have live view units that are on iPhones, I'm telling the audience is not you. you yes. know. And so it, it's kind of connected to a whole big rig with a big ring light. And it's got like a, a lob mic you can, you know, put, put on your lapel, whole nine yards. Anyway, I've told them time and time again, I was like, I was like cutting it short. I had a one thirty hit on golf today and like my flight landed at noon and it's like an hour from the airport. So I was going to, I had to be hoofing it. And I come in the door and I'm, I'm trying to get changed and put makeup on and put goop in my hair. And I go to fire up the live view unit and the, the, the phone is dead. And it's because the, the, the power cord has been taken by one of my animal children. And, uh, and I can't fire it up. So I have to use FaceTime. So anyone who watched golf today and was wondering, that's why I was using FaceTime. That's why it looks so bad. And so I was screaming at, my th- at, at the top of my lungs and my only my wife is here right now. And so she let me vent for a minute. And she's like, you're going to have to table that. until so they give you your present because it's very good. They're all happy and quit being a jerk. I was going to say, this is, this is quite a lead up to your father's day gift. Whatever, whatever they get you will just be roundly disappointed because you're so furious uh, that your little, that your little unit, your little mobile unit uh, was, was malfunctioning. I came home to no one, uh, complete silence. The dog wasn't even happy to see me the cat didn't come out for a couple hours, uh, a couple cards on the table. There appears to be some sort of uh, electric putting machine, you know, like one of those things that you put into and then it spits it back at you. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what that's all about. The dog will definitely eat uh, any Pro V1s I use. Um, the cat will, will bat it, and I'm sure Lily um, is going to try and uh, swallow the golf balls as well. And I've been told, Rex, that I can have a, a Father's Day meal this week. I don't know what I'll choose. Uh, I'll probably do ribs, uh, maybe do a no-wrap uh, pork butt, as you know. I'm taking my dad to New Orleans on Thursday. This was supposed to be his 65th birthday present last year. Of course, postponed because of COVID. And Rex just saw the weather forecast. Record heat. Record heat, folks, uh, in New Orleans. 
highs of 101 and 102 with heat X heat indexes, uh, quote, uh, in the dangerous levels. Uh, I repeat in the dangerous levels for when we're in new Orleans and we are forced, uh, to wear, uh, suit jackets, uh, for two of those meals. Uh, so say a prayer, if you will, uh, for my dad who lives in New York and is not used to the heat and humidity, certainly of the South, but I digress. We'll have a full recap of my meal since Rex didn't uh, do us justice uh, a couple months ago when he was at the Zurich Classic. Rex, here's another question since I put you on the spot with that one. One to 10, how happy were were you with what you wrote uh, on Sunday night at Brookline? Uh, I give it a solid seven. I, I wasn't completely disappointed. And usually I, I'm not like you. I, I don't have high expectations for myself. And saying I never like it and I always fret about it. I don't it have high stuff. expectations for myself. That might be the least professional thing that's ever been uttered on this podcast. No, no, I think, no, I was saying I, like, I don't have unrealistic expectations like you do. Like, I think every time you sit down to write, you want an award-winning piece. And, and I don't do that. I, I, I wish I could. I just don't have that gear. And, but no, I, I was okay. Cause most of the time I'm flying home on Monday and I'm upset with what I wrote and I wish I could have done better, but no, I, I liked my angle. I mean, it was a, I, I liked the angle because I had Will Zalatoris. You took the winner, you took uh, Matty Fitz. And I, the reason I liked it is because sort of the anatomy of losing and how that hits with different people and how Willie, who just 25 years old, and he has three runner up finishes now in major championships. And you would think, that there is an opportunity for this to weigh him down, that this could be a negative. It is not. Please read the story. I was happy with it. Solid seven. Six top tens now, Rex, in nine career major performances. It's really just eight since he didn't finish uh, the Open Championship last year after having uh, pulled out because of a back injury. I mean, the dude is an absolute major machine. This this may uh, sound a little bit ridiculous coming from a supposedly objective Journalist, I could not be more impressed with Will Zalatoris. Forget the golf, and I think his golf is spectacular. The the, the shots that he hit, uh, the clutchness. I mean, I'm thinking in particular of his tee shot on 16, knowing that he absolutely had to make something happen uh, after he caught a bad break on 15 and made bogey. The shot that he hit on 16 was an absolute laser beam to um, five or six feet. Well, uh, spoiler alert. Out of the lead. He, uh, that was pushed 20 yards to the right, by the That's way. That's okay. It was still now, the Just so you know, he had no in, he had no business bro. going after that pin. He admitted it. He, he sort of, when I asked him about it, he got sheepish and smiled. And then when I asked his performance coach, Josh Gregory, about it, he's like, yeah, he would never have gone after that pin. That was a dead push. He was going for the middle of the green. That's okay. Got, I'm talking yeah. about the quality of the strike. The quality oh, yeah. of the strike was absolutely majestic. And, and look, I think people are going to, Look at what happened on on fifteen. Got a little bit of unlucky. Just barely pushed it into the rough. Was you know couldn't get up and down from the front bunker. You think about seventeen. He left a twelve footer uh, on the doorstep, right in the jaws. You think about eighteen. Even though he had the read, uh, missed that fourteen footer uh, on the left on the left edge. And as I was leaving the media parking lot yesterday, uh, I'm not going to describe the out. I'm not going to name the outlet. Uh, but they were having a discussion about Will Zalatoris, and one of the hosts said that he's getting some serious Sergio Garcia vibes from Will Zalatoris. I think that's a little bit too early to put that sort of evil on uh, my man Willie Z. Out that he does source, have who would have say three, such a thing? 
Uh, Luke Kernanin, our friend at, at golf.com. Oh. I said I wasn't going to name names, uh, but, yeah. but Luke, you know, he did, he did put his name on it uh, on the podcast. I do not yet have uh, Sergio Garcia vibes when it comes to Will's Altos. I, I see where he's coming from, right? Ball striking extraordinaire, bulky putter, uh, came so close so often in the major championships. And look, this is the third time now that Wills Altoris has finished runner-up in what is uh, just his ninth career major start. You think back to the 2021 Masters, really didn't have an opportunity to win that. Hideki uh, kind of uh, uh, bled some shots away late on the second nine to make that closer than it probably was. Think about the playoff loss uh, to Justin Thomas just last month at Southern Hills. That was only after Will Zalatoris made back-to-back eight-footers on the 71st and 72nd holes. And then JT, in my opinion, went out and won it in the playoff with two birdies in the three-hole aggregate playoff. This one, yeah, this one he definitely could have had. Playing in the final group alongside Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, made a couple of surprising bogeys early. Uh, His approach game then caught fire. So did his putter from 15 or 20 feet. How do you view this one? Did did Matt Fitzpatrick win it? Did Will Zalatoris, uh, you know, give him some opportunities and potentially not slam the door when he could have? No, and and I didn't get into that cliche because I feel like that was that's kind of a tired way to look at this. I think in this particular case, it was how does it land? How do you walk away after you've done this? Now you've had three really good chances to win the hardest events in golf, and again, how does this land? With you, And I, I found it fascinating that when I was talking with Willie after the round, he admitted that this is going to sting. This is going to hurt. There was a little bit of reflection as in I am probably one and a half inches away from have won three <laughs> major championships. And if you kind of add up all the putts that could have fallen, that could, should have dropped, you, you mentioned 17 on Sunday. I, I think there is, but there's no regret. And I will say this, that when I talked to Josh and I just, he had just been in the locker room with Will. And he said that there's Tito, there's Jack, in case you guys were curious. Uh, He made the point to me that he felt like he probably pressed too much at Southern Hills coming down the stretch. And that that one probably lasted a little bit longer than this one is because, to your point, it was hard to say you didn't get beat on this one. I mean, when you look at what, and I can't believe we talked 17 greens, 17 greens in regulation, just the third player in the last 30 years to hit 17 greens on a major Sunday and route to a victory. I mean, that's one of the greatest ball striking exhibitions we've ever seen, certainly and in I recent think, memory major championship. And I think there was some sort of solace he could take away from. He could not gush. He could not talk about how good that Maddie shot was on the 72nd hole from the bunker where you had to sort of favor it around the lip and it's up the hill and such a demanding shot. And I, he could not talk about, we're going to be watching that shot for decades. When we come in and talk about the greatest shots of all time, actually, that would be fun. We should sit here and talk about the greatest shots of all time in the U.S. Open. That's going to be yeah, one of be them. A great. That'd be a great debate podcast. I feel from the, like. From the, from the greatest team in Golf Channel podcast history. That's right. I feel like what, what he walked away with is, yes, I got beat. If he's going to execute that shot, if he's going to do all the little things that Matty ended up doing, that he got beat and there wasn't much that Will was going to be able to do. And even the putt on the 72nd home that you pointed out, I think it was about 12, 15 feet. 14, Maybe he yeah. did good. Yeah, he, he had a good look at it, and he had a good read. And actually, Scotty Scheffler was standing off to the side, and I asked him, he goes, up until two feet from the hole, I felt like it was dead solid, and it just sort of drifts to the left at the last minute. No, I don't think this one this one sticks too long 
I mean, anytime you lose, you're always going to do some self-reflection and you're going to sit there and question yourself. But I think he probably walks away from this one and said, man, I played really good. And Matty just played a little bit better. Again, we're 10 minutes into the podcast and we haven't even gotten to the best part of our week. You're not driving this car well. Hold on, hold on. So I didn't even get to finish my thought earlier, which was which is just really bad uh, conversationalist uh, behavior. But I said when I, I I couldn't be more impressed with Will Zeltorz. It was not about his golf. It was how he handled this. Obviously, he was crushed in the seventy second hole. He kind of you, you know threw the putter over his shoulder and he was crushed. But he could not have been classier. He could not have been more well spoken in the aftermath, despite clearly reeling from what was a, another disappointment, another close call in a major championship. You mentioned Josh Gregory, um, who has been working with Will Zalatoris now over the past three years, sent him a text this morning and just said, you know, how did Will uh, handle uh, yet another close call? And he said, this one hurt, obviously, uh, but I asked him, any regrets? And he said, no, I did everything the way I wanted. The one regret that he has had during this major season was on the 70th hole, think back to this, uh, at Southern Hills. He gunned his first putt, his birdie putt, on the 16th hole, a little bit too far past, ended up three-putting. That forced him to scramble when that tournament uh, certainly could have been his, considering what happened with Mito Pereira. He knows he's one of the best in the world. This is Josh Gregory speaking. When he breaks the door down, the winds will come in bunches. Really proud of the fact that he won this event without driving it well, as evidenced on that 15th hole. And uh, on the 17th as well, when he could have taken even a more aggressive line. Uh, but he's really proud. He almost won this event without driving it well. Almost won it with mentality, iron play, short game, and putting. The dude is an absolute force. I am not, I repeat, I am not getting Sergio Garcia vibes. What's the thing that you wanted to talk about? There, I mean, there was a lot that happened. That, that felt like we were in Boston, Rex, for like three weeks. It felt like a long time. No, I'm with you. Um, usually, and we lean into the funny, and we try to do the hijinks. And in this particular case, that when we it tried to do hijinks, we tried to do hijinks for a channel that that I would say is is very serious about golf. They don't like the hijinks. But let's no. just own it. Like we, our bosses do not like. We the are hijinks. the village idiots. It's clear that they they don't listen to this podcast because if they did, they would have pulled the plug a long time ago. About you idiots need to stop talking about barbecue and stick to golf. Less barbecue, more golf. It, no, on Saturday, you and I are getting ready to do TV, and you being nervous like you always are before you go on TV, you go running around looking for somewhere to use the restroom, and a lady stops you, and what happens? <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, slight backstory. I always have to go to the bathroom like five to ten minutes. Uh, fear, fear strikes, and I, I have to go. It just it happens before every single hit. doesn't matter how long the hit is. doesn't matter if it's going to be one minute. doesn't matter if it's going to be seven minutes. Uh, it absolutely has to happen. And out of the corner of my eye, as I was heading to the porta potty I see probably like a 55-year-old British woman. She's, I would say she was your age, uh, like frantically waving. And I was like, boy, she's obviously not waving at me. So I continued. And she darts over to me. And she goes, oh, you're Ryan, a big fan of your commentary, which is that an know, English accent? Is that what you're trying to do there? Is that an no, English I'm not accent? doing it. I'm not doing any accent because uh, I don't okay. want to offend uh, the British people. Um, but she said, um, you know, Ryan, I'm a huge fan of your commentary. So clearly I found uh, my one and only fan. Uh, she wanted to take a selfie. I thought it was very nice. We smiled at a selfie and she said, you know, it's so sweet that you get to do these TV hits with your dad. <laughs> and I said, I said, my dad. <laughs> so that's rex rex hogger we don't even have the last name she goes oh that's not your dad 
I said, I said, no, <laughs> no, uh, I no, said, no. I said, first of all, I love you. Uh, thank you for the compliment. Second of all, I can't wait to tell uh-huh. Rex about this a, because uh, you'd be embarrassed on national television and B does that mean you're old and I'm young? Like, how does this, how does this work out? You and I have a, a kind of a 20 year age gap. Maybe if you made some bad decisions in life. If I made some really bad decisions that could have come to pass. And, and I guess I get it. It's funny when I told my wife this story and I just, and it's funny and I'm the butt of the joke and, and I can sit here and, and I can recognize the funny. And so we, we have ridden this joke out as much as we possibly can. But when I told my wife out, she laughed for a moment and she goes, well, yeah, like I, I could see you could have made some, some mistakes or, or, you know, not. That's basically not, summer of uh, your sophomore and junior year, the, the summer between. Uh, well, no, no. You would have been, right. been 20. You would have been 20. I was in the Marines. Not. I was in the Marines. So I would have been in the second year in the Marines. So, yes, I know what you're trying to equate it to. But, yes, so that's why I'm saying I probably could have. I, I guess the part that gets me is that she thinks we look so much alike. Because I've never, and it's funny on on golf today. Earlier today, they were showing up the picture of you and I walking down the stairs. I guess. Oh God, they they used that today. They did use that, and and I think Damon and Jaime were talking about how much we look alike, and and I he, on air. Yes, and they asked about what we should name the pod. They asked something about the podcast, and I said, you know, just jokingly that we're renaming it uh, the Father and Son Podcast, just because I feel like. Might as well just lean into it and have you fun. And I, you and I need to, to be alongside Tiger and Charlie next year uh, at, the, at the PNC Championship. I mean, I think there's a, there's a slight resemblance. You have, you know, you have skin cancer on your face. I have rosacea. Uh, I'd, say we're both, I'd say we're both follically challenged. Uh, yours is just a little bit further, uh, a little bit more gray. I mean, we're, we're similar size. I got a little bit more heft uh, to, to me now that I um, am a hashtag gym rat. Uh, but I could kind of see it. I feel like I feel like people were digging it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like people enjoyed this segment. I don't think anyone was watching Rex. Uh, I didn't, but I don't think our bosses enjoyed it. No, I don't. No, they, yes. I don't think they ever do. Uh, no, no. Every time they call us back for TV, it's always a it's huge surprise. Really? Again? You want us to do that again? Okay, shocking. You want us, to, right. want us yeah. to do it again, and you want us to do it at the uh, the least watched time slot? Got it. Absolutely. Got Happy it. to do it. Happy to do it. That ended up turning into an eighteen-hour day. Uh, yesterday at and the it turned Club a very long week to your point and and i don't know if it's because of logistics or because of so many things going on last week it's probably a combination because we probably spent monday and wednesday doing nothing talking about live golf and and how this is going to impact golf and who's next and how the tour is going to respond and then once we turned to the golf on thursday it was compelling and you had some big names and then you had some fun names in there and joel damon and and some names that you probably don't know rory. very well and we had rory uh, and then we had rory and then some names you probably don't know very well. And our colleague, Brentley Romine, took care of those names for us. So I, I Thank think you, all Brentley, of those- even though yes. now he has COVID, rest up, my friend. Yes, yes, that was kind of touch and go. So, yes, I just think it was a long week. And I would agree with you on that fact. Only because, I and, and we can get into this, but I truly believe that this is like an American gym when it comes to a golf course. Like, I had never seen it before. I was supposed to play in media day. I did not. Now I'm bummed now COVID. that I've seen Cause, it. Because you had COVID. Because that guy had COVID. I caught COVID. I thought COVID was over. What's going on? Apparently not. Didn't get the memo. But now that I've seen it and we've seen how the championship plays out and now you look at the history of it and the 99 Ryder Cup is historic and it's one of those benchmarks in the game. You start talking about, and I think Mike Wan was saying this early in the week, about having these anchor sites. And I'm not saying that Brooklyn should be an anchor site, but man, I'd like to see it. We should not be waiting 35 years to come back. No. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know that, you know, maybe 10 years. It's probably, I don't know if there's room in the rotation for that, but it certainly deserves to be a 10-year rotation deal. I mean, I covered the 2013 U.S. Amateur. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I was the only golf writer there who has covered both of these Matt Fitzpatrick victories. I did not remember anything from 2013 other than two things. I remember getting accosted uh, by a, a, a overly handsy and overly officious uh, USGA uh, officer who clotheslined me with a rope because, as, as you know, uh, during the U.S. Amateur, you can walk in the middle of the ferries. That's one thing I remember. And the second thing I remember was uh, Russell Fitzpatrick, uh, Matt's father, uh, maintaining. He was adamant that not only was uh, Matt going to fulfill uh, and honor his scholarship to Northwestern, but he was going to spend all four years there. And Rex, Matt Fitzpatrick did he spend four days there? Didn't spend four years there. He didn't even spend four months in in Evanston. Uh, I guess his career uh, turned out quite all right. I actually had a lot of fun uh, writing that game story last night, even though I did not have a lot of fun trace, uh, trying to track down uh, some of these folks after the fact. I think by the time I was done transcribing, you had already finished. It was scale of 1 finished. to 10. I, I did, I did you'd already 10. I gave mine a 7. 1 to um, 10. What, I, what do you give it? I, was, I think I was so mad that it was taking me so long. It, it was like a 4. Like I actually think it's a good oh. story. Uh, I, I highly encourage folks to go on GolfChannel.com and check it out. I think there's a lot of good reporting in there, but I just was not in a good frame of mind. I was I was cussing people out, uh, certainly under my breath, not not to their face. That would have been a highly uh, uh, unethical and inappropriate. Uh, but I but you know Billy Foster. It took me more than an hour uh, to track down the caddy. I didn't have the right badge. I'm sitting there waiting. And eventually, uh, Bob Harrigan and myself just snuck under the ropes and got him. And it was and it was gold. It was absolute gold. Billy Foster, if, if you're not paying attention, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. He has been looping for some of the game's greats, certainly some of Europe's greats uh, over the past 40 years. Late career, Seve Ballesteros, Lee Westwood, Sierra Gerald Garcia, Thomas Bjorn, you name it. And Billy Foster, to me, gave, gave me the quote of the day. And he called Matt Fitzpatrick Bernhard Longer's love child. And by that, he meant that Bernhard Langer was the most diligent, most prepared, most professional player that he has ever worked with in his career. And Matt Fitzpatrick was even more so. He said he is the most methodical, most disciplined golfer on the planet. And so that's kind of where I went with this entire story. I kind of had this scene at the beginning where Russell Fitzpatrick, Matt's dad, and Will Fulton, the host family that has hosted uh, the Fitzpatrick clan both in 2013 and this year at the U.S. Open, kind of saying, oh, it's going to be fate that Matt is going to do the double dip at Brookline. And, like, this is literally the only guy on the planet who does not consider fate, who does not leave things up to the golf gods or some outside force. He will do anything, and we mean anything, to gain even the tiniest advantage over his peers. That is why he has gained 20 pounds. That's why he chips cross-handed. That's why he putts with the flag stick in. That's why he uh, got braces because he wanted to fix his teeth. That's why he wears sketchers because he finds them to be the most comfortable. I mean, this is a kid who has literally, he's not even a kid, he's 27, who since the age of 15 has tracked every single golf shot he has ever hit. Let me say that again. Since the age of 15, he has charted every single golf shot he has ever hit. Not just in tournament competition, but in practice. He has an absolutely enormous database that he uh, draws upon, and that is how he identifies his weaknesses. That is how he plays to his strengths. 
he is uh, kind of Bryson without all of the faults. He is uh, the epitome of hard-earned gains, making sacrifices large and small uh, to become a major championship, uh, major championship winner. And I thought that was really cool. And I think, and I do want to get into this conversation because I, and I touched on this in my golf today hit, because I find it fascinating on the same week that we essentially said goodbye to Bryson and look, he'll be back to play the major championships, but he's going to live golf. And and we don't know how this is all going to play out, but on the same week that we essentially bid farewell, farewell to whatever that experiment is. And we, we did it with question marks. We call the, are you calling the phenomenon over? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't go that far. That headline sounds ridiculous. I can't imagine someone who would actually write that headline that the phenomenon mm. is over because he's still going to be playing golf. Just he's going to be playing golf somewhere around, and I'm not sure of the t- attention level. With just so like guess, the Saudi, with just with just Saudi bots watching, and no one actually paying attention to the YouTube feed. I don't know. I heard this word a lot, and I don't know how much we want to get into live because it seems to me we're going to probably have to do an emergency podcast this week. So there's no use in, in dissecting whatever it is we're going to do what now. Tease. What a tease. Uh, there's a player meeting so player meeting tomorrow morning at 7.30 at Travelers and then a policy board meeting at Ponte Vedra. How about that gas? How much do you think that's 7:30. costing? 7.30. 7.30 a.m. Why? How? Uh, we can get into nine? that later. What's I'm wrong with 9? What's wrong with 1 p.m.? Well, like I just said, he has a policy board meeting, you know, a little while after that down in Ponte Vedra. So he's got to fly back to Ponte Vedra. So do you Vedra. cater maybe, to a membership you can go with 125 or do you have – or do you cater to the – policy board meeting with four uh i don't know or maybe you can do a zoom call there's a bunch of things you can do you can do exactly what we're doing right Text. now so how about a little group chat uh sure sure uh snapchat's good at that i hear but all of those things <laughs> a little tiktok dance on the way out the door and we're still questioning bryson because he's still injured and we don't know what the finished product is going to look like and the knee-jerk reaction is to go wow whatever it is he was doing that was wrong. Like, look, look at the impact. Look at what he's done to his body. And again, that's the knee-jerk reaction. I don't know if that's a fair reaction because I think you, we're going to have to wait for this experiment. It's highly to play unfair. Out. Yeah, it's, Bryce, it's wildly. Bryson was a great golfer before this experiment. He was a great golfer during the experiment, and he will be a great golfer after the experiment. I, I, yes, I, I truly believe that. But even if he's not, we still can't make that assessment for decades now because you're going to have to see how this plays out. You're going to have to see the end game, and in golf, that takes. A minute. But I did find it fascinating on the same week that we're having that conversation that Matt Fitzpatrick does what he does. And I love that Bernard Langer's love child idea because (laughs) what Matt has done is essentially the same thing that Bryson did. He just did it kind of on his own terms and at a different level. Instead of turning it all the way up to 50 on the knob, he turned it up to 25 or 30, maybe, or whatever the case may be, and decided that, oh, I do need to get longer. I need to get into better shape. I need to do all of these things to improve. And essentially, it's almost as if that's the same DNA that's making these decisions. One of them, however, is making them with some sort of restrictor play. And that, that's Matty Fitz. He's deciding that, yes, I do need to get better. I do need to be bigger, stronger, faster, but I'm going to do it at my pace. I'm not going to try to do whatever it is Bryson did. And again, I'm not trying to be unfair at Bryson. I just find it a fascinating dichotomy right now that we have this monster of a man who has entertained us like a sideshow for three years now, and we don't know where it's going to go from here. And Nat, and we have Matt Fitzpatrick, who I don't think anyone, certainly no one in the gallery at Brookline on Sunday, was thinking to themselves, oh, that's Bryson Jr., because that's the way they talk. That's a, that's a bad one, wasn't it? That wasn't good at all. That was 
dreadful. I'm like, I might have to exit the podcast. If any garbage. of our Bostonians uh, are listening to this, uh, I apologize for Rex. I had nothing. I had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. going to stop uh, a Dunkin' our, Donut? I think, I think our segment is replaying. I just paused it. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to watch this later where I'm clearly walking down uh, the staircase. I actually, Rex, I actually am glad that you brought up Bryson because I don't think that is accidental. And it's actually a subtext to what has happened now with Matt Fitzpatrick. If you remember, Rex, it was in the fall of 2020. Bryson DeChambeau just obliterated Wingfield, one of the most feared, ferocious venues in tournament golf, won by six shots, was gouging out of the rough. I mean, it was it felt like a transformative moment in the game. And a month after that, Matt Fitzpatrick told reporters that what Bryson was doing was, quote, making a mockery of the game. And he said that he too, Matt Fitzpatrick, could gain 40 pounds and 40 yards if he wanted to, but that the real skill was still being able to hit it straight. Now, Matt Fitzpatrick then embarked on that journey. He sensed the need for change. He sensed the need that he was going to have to keep up with all these bombers, and, and he barked, embarked on what was a, a very ambitious transformation. And so that winter, just a couple months after Bryson did what he did, just a couple months after Matt Fitzpatrick called him out and said he was making mockery of the game, he huddled with his longtime swing coach, Mike Walker, and a biomechanist. Did I nail that right? Got it. Got it. Biomechanist, Dr. Right. Sasha McKenzie. But you uh, getting it they, right doesn't make it a good segment. Uh, exactly. I'll lean into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they have this system called the stack. Uh, I'm not going to get into it because it's way too boring for a podcast. But it's essentially the stick, and he swings it over and over again. And there's some sort of app that uses artificial intelligence. Uh, and that's how uh, he has kind of gone through these swing training and uh, sessions and, and, and kind of uh, building up his strength and his speed. He said, quite simply, it has worked wonders. And look, he's gained like five miles an hour with his swing speed. He's gaining more than a shot and a half on the field per round with his driver compared to earlier in his career. He's the third ranked driver uh, at, at, uh, at Brookline last week. He was ranked inside the top five now in strokes gained off the tee. He was bombing it past Dustin Johnson. I know Dustin Johnson's 37 years old and he may not be interested in golf anymore, but Matt Fitzpatrick of all people, five foot nine, 175, how Matt Fitzpatrick was bombing it past him. It shows just the lengths that he has gone, uh, I guess, pun intended, uh, to, to improve as a player. And he has become now Rex so well-rounded. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he has done nothing basically in the major championships prior to this spring. And he played his way into the final group at the PJ championship, did not play particularly well on that Sunday, his first uh, opportunity, uh, his first real opportunity to win a major shot 73 a month later in that position, he looked like a completely different player, completely at ease, absolute stripe show. And he won this U S open I think unthinkably a couple of years ago without putting his best. Billy Foster told me that he is unrecognizable. A completely different animal was the term that he used uh, to describe Matt Fitzpatrick from a couple of years ago. He is a complete player through the bag, every single part of his game. Uh, I think he's going to be a factor in the major championships now, Rex, for the next, the next couple of years. And I don't think he's going to necessarily go too deep in the other direction. Like I think, you could make a fair argument that Bryson has. 
Well, yeah, when you say un- unrecognizable, that's his game. He didn't turn into a different person, which I think we can all agree. There was a point when we all thought that Bryson turned into another person or, or this person ate Bryson. However it is you want to break this down, like he, he, he was unrecognizable on some level. He still had Bryson's face, but the body looked different. He still looks like Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, not 2013 Matt Fitzpatrick when he's he got, won he's got a, he's got a little US amateur. Him. He's like he's he's definitely gained 20 25 pounds. Yes, but his game looks unrecognizable. I'll say this, he works with Pete Cowan and you and I both love Pete because Pete's not funny or he doesn't try to be funny, but he's always funny. Like he makes you laugh. He's one of those he's an Englishman. He's been around the game forever. It's dry English humor. There is literally nothing better. It's brilliant. Because he'll just mumble something, and then a minute later, it'll dawn on you that, oh, he made a funny. Like, that, that was a good funny. But, but the way he delivers it, it just doesn't work. So he's walking over the same bridge that you'll see you and I were uh, filmed uh, walking over for a segment today on Golf Today. And I stop him, and my question to him was, and I didn't say this the right way on Golf Today because I didn't feel like it was appropriate for that format, but it is for this one. And I go, uh, Pete, which one of your head cases is going to win this championship? <laughs> And he chuckled, and which is weird. I, I normally don't get him to chuckle. And he immediately said Fitz. And keep in mind, Pete works with some big players. He works with some names. He works with some star Brooksy. players. Brooks, Kip, Brooksy. He works with a lot of good players. And I asked immediately, like, really? Well, why would you say that other than 2013? Like, you won, okay, he won the amateur here. I get it. He has experience. Other than that, what's there? And he broke down that he doesn't have any weaknesses. And I do think it's interesting that he doesn't, he doesn't have the one thing that blows you away. Right, like when it comes to Bryson, we can sit and talk it about his driving. Be, I mean, it used to be a short game and his putting, and that, and that's not the case and, anymore. And like, then he started chipping cross-handed. Yeah, and then he started chipping cross-handed. And you're, what happened there? And I just think he he doesn't do anything bad, is the way Pete described it to me. And you look at it statistically, in every major strokes gain statistic, he's in the top twenty-five on tour. That's how you are successful. You don't have any holes that, in your That game. is the recipe. Folks, it that is. is. That is the recipe to making a lot of money and winning a lot of golf tournaments is being fifth in strokes gained to the green and second in strokes gained total. That's how you do it. And, and, and all of them, go down the list. Tee to green, approach, scrambling, putting, whatever the case may be, he's in the top 25. And all of them, that's a strokes gain unicorn. I mean, that is exactly how you have success on the PGA Tour without turning many heads. Because even coming into this, I think we could have all agreed that, oh, wow, Fitz is a good little player. Like, he's going to win eventually. Like, we all kind of saw – well, I would say that those of us in the game saw this coming because he was trending in the right direction. But now that he's done it and you start looking at it statistically and you think to yourself, oh, my, like, like what's the ceiling on this? Because, again, I'm not worried about injury with him like I was with Bryson, fair or not fair. And I'm not worried about any particular portion of this game fading away. We have the conversation all the time about Colin Morikawa and about what a special player is, okay, he can be and he is a streaky putter. We have this conversation all the time about John Rahm. He can be and is a streaky putter. Terrific putter. John Rahm, fantastic putter. I don't care that he shot, what did he shoot yesterday, 74? Nope, nope, nope. Great putter. Nope, nope, nope. Pours it in from Uh, everywhere. Was it 74? I thought it was worse than that. Did did he get it to the house? 74. 74. Oh, he birdied the last, didn't he? Well done. Great. T-12. Very good putter. Very good putter. That'll look very good on, on Wikipedia in like five years. Rory McIlroy, great driver of the golf ball. Wedge game, not so much. And which is uh, ironic because you would. Rory McIlroy, I'm glad you brought him up because if Matt Fitzpatrick is second on the tour in strokes game total, which is how you make a lot of money and win a lot of golf tournaments. Any guesses, Rex, who is number one on tour this season in strokes game total? The player who compared to the field average of his peers 
is the best? Any guesses? I feel like I'm a prop now, but Rory McIlroy. It's Rory, and he has now gone eight consecutive years without a major championship. He was one shot off the lead on Thursday. He was one shot off the lead on Friday. Everyone was giving him credit, myself included, uh, on Saturday for hanging tough uh, during a very difficult day of scoring to stay within four shots of the lead. And then Sunday happened, Rex. On the front nine, he mixed three birdies with three bogeys when Scotty Scheffler was making a charge. On the back nine, he put together a little one-under incoming nine when it really didn't matter, and he had some opportunities that he couldn't convert. Where are you on your boy, Roars? Uh, I, there was disappointment. There's no doubt about it. And, look, I think Rory tries to walk away from all of these events and tries to pick and choose his stats and his facts to, to try to keep things on a positive note. I mean, th- those flights home, even on a private jet can be lonely and it's a lot of time to self-reflect. And when it comes to the major championships, I want to be need to... on a private jet. I don't uh, want to, I do too. Next... Cause I, I was lonely... have to sit next to Steve Demeglio uh, in 11 D on a Delta. Uh, I was home. lonely in 15 D on the way home this morning. And I don't Didn't need to tell bump. anyone. You hate to see it. Uh, I got the bump from from uh, Providence, flew out of Providence, Rhode Island, which is a lot of fun, to Atlanta. And then somehow I got a middle seat on the way from Atlanta to Orlando. So that was not an enjoyable process to go along with everything else that uh, came along in the day. The part that got me about Rory, and he said that, honestly, I'm not going to look back when my career is over and remember a top five finish at Brookline, which pretty much said everything he needed to say, where, no, I'm not happy with this finish. And there were a lot of things he could take from this. You opened with a solid round at 67. You kept it together on Saturday when things really could have gotten bad and you shoot a 73 and keep yourself right into it. And yet, in this particular case, it still feels like an opportunity lost. And I don't know that that changes as we go on. And, and I don't uh, – this isn't alarm bells. I'm not saying that, you know, Rory is reaching the point where I'm going to, you know, rack and load the same column that I did last week for Phil Mickelson. By the way, Phil Mickelson's never winning in the U.S. Open. It's the same column I wrote five years ago, maybe six years ago. Shinnecock was How, four years ago. Yep. Four years ago. Yeah. Hey, that, the, the chances are over. I just changed the date line, update a couple stats, uh, <laughs> th- throw in some live golf nonsense and uh, write the exact yeah, same change, column. Just change, just change his age to 52 and yep. Yeah. Just keep moving. Um, I, I'm not willing to go there yet because he still has a lot of runway ahead of him and he's still very, very driven. But it's hard not to shake the idea when he walked off that podium yesterday talking to the media that it's only going to get harder for Rory from here. I mean, geez, a, a week in which he was fifth strokes gained off the tee and ninth in strokes gained putting, and he doesn't walk away with the U.S. Open trophy and, quite frankly, wasn't even that close on Sunday. I mean, he was a, he was a non-factor for the four hours of that final round and ended up finishing four shots behind. That just has to be a, a, a demoralizing gut punch to, to know that you play that well, you hold so many clutch par putts uh, and yet you still really didn't have a chance to win uh, on the final day. I, I'm with you. It only gets harder. Would it surprise me at all if he wins by three or four shots at St. Andrews? Of course no, not. Absolutely not. However, probably be my pick. Uh, he probably would be my pick as well, but we're, we're eight years removed and every time on the weekend now it's, it's, it's becoming a thing. I think it, I, I, it, I think it has been a thing. And then he kind of had a lull 
in performance where he maybe didn't have the same expectations at a major championship that we certainly had in 2012 or 2014. But now he statistically is the best player on the PGA tour and he can't get it done. That's not to say that he has not been close. Look, he shot 64 in the final round uh, at Augusta national uh, had a chance to win the PGA championship as well. Heading into the weekend ended up shooting, I believe what 73 uh, or 73 or 74 on that Saturday to blow his chance there and then uh, backed up uh, on the Saturday uh, here again. So, yeah, it's a, it's a familiar tune, only getting harder for Rory. Rex, one of the one things that we didn't write, apparently we're the only outlet uh, in what U.S. golf media yesterday that did not write that this U.S. Open was exactly what golf needed against the backdrop of all of oh, this uncertainty, okay. all of this unrest, all of this nonsense that is going on with live golf and this potential fracturing at the top of the elite game. We were supposed to write Rex on Sunday night that that U S open was exactly what golf needed to show that the majors are important to show that legacy and history and context is what is important. However, this still feels like we're about to embark on yet another <laughs> newsy golf week in or newsy week. Uh, in the sport, more defections, uh, Abe answer, uh, a Mexican TV outlet reported on Sunday night. I'm assuming that's going to be made official with live golf here shortly. We're going to have some more, uh, defections one by one. We could have some potential movement this week with the DP world tour, as you outlined last week on the golf central podcast presented by Callaway golf. Where are we on that front? Was that basically just a four week reprieve? And now we're back into live golf hell. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. So, yes, I guess we are back in live golf hell. And I don't disagree with that take that this was what golf needed. It's what golf Literally wanted. everyone wrote that. Literally every um, single outlet wrote that. You know, I read a story, and I don't remember which website it was on, that that was kind of the lead, that this was exactly what golf needed on Saturday night, though. And he was kind of referring to the leaderboard. So I, I don't Ooh, know that so I they, So they were, they were preempting the charge. Yeah, so they were the first to the table, which is always the victory lap that you always want to say, I did it first. Um, I, I guess I don't disagree with it because I, I have a bit of a smile on my face that you and I are however many minutes, 40 minutes into the podcast. And we have mentioned live golf and we have brushed around the edges, but we've largely stuck to the golf. And it's not as though we did that. It didn't come. It wasn't forced. Like, look, there's going to be times when we're going to force ourselves to go back to the golf because it's what we have to do, that we have to cover the game. Rocket mortgage week, John Deere week. 3M week. Like, there's going to be times. It's going to be tough. Yes, we're going to force ourselves to the trough because that's what we're going to have to dine on because everything else is going to be ugly and unsatisfying and sour. Yes. In this particular case, I'm glad for the respite. I'm glad for four days away. I'm glad that we were able to watch – sort of this coming of age, this, this, this player who we all knew was, you know, was going to win eventually. But I think I said something to you along these lines yesterday afternoon that when you were pointing that Will and, you know, this is coming down to Will and Matt, and I go, I don't disagree with you, but neither one of those players have ever won anything on the PGA Tour. I mean, forget about a major. They've never won a 3M Open or a Rocket Mortgage, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to either one of those events, but the Hater. point. Haters Hater. stand up. I know, and I love me some Minnesota, too, so I don't know why I'm doing that to, to 3M. But I would say that we're going to keep sort of ducking in and out of this because, trust me, when we get to St. Andrews, by the time the first tee shot goes in the air and we start what is truly golf's longest day, 
we're going to be talking about golf because all of the top players are going to be there. And we'll probably spend Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday talking about live golf and who's going and who's staying, just like we always do. No, we're going like- to talk about Tiger. We're going to talk about Tiger. Uh, that's true. Yeah, we're going to parachute in on Tiger. You're absolutely right on that one. Uh, RNA, well, RNA press You're assuming on he's going to be we'll, there. We'll do you're something. Assuming he's going to be there. He's going to be I mean, there. I, he said he's going to be with you at the J.P. McManus the week before. Uh, and I, I, I'm assuming he's going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. So all those things being said, I don't disagree with the premise. I would just rather cling to the golf without pointing out the obvious, which in my mind is, yes, there's a huge distraction in golf right now. If you choose, you can be distracted every minute of every day. In this particular case, I think golf as a collective chose not to be. I'm going to preempt the preemptors, and I'm going to write mm-hmm. Friday of the Open Championship. But this is exactly what yeah. golf needed. Major championships are obviously what golf needs. Like they're the big, they're the four biggest weeks of the year. We can say what we want about the Players' Championship. It's still not yet a major. These are the these are the events that the entire golf calendar revolves around. It's what players try to peak for. Of course, that is going to be different than the regular season schedule. What Live Golf is doing currently it's in the process of doing is fracturing regular season golf pj tour golf the monotony of a regular season where you you start in hawaii and you finish at east lake and the tour championship that is probably never going to be the same if these two tours continue to go off in their disparate directions the pj tour as we outlined last week is going to be weaker and live golf will not be a compelling product as well because they will not get the names. This is affecting regular season golf solely. If anything, Rex, this fracturing, this splintering, is actually going to make the major championships bigger. It's going to actually make them more important because it's, it, it's, it's going to be the four times all year that we actually get the best players in the world, teeing it up together on the same course during the same week. When you think about the U.S. Open qualifying, it's top 60 in the world. When you think about the uh, Open Championship, it's top 50 in the world. When you think about the Masters, it's top 50 in the world. When you think about the PGA, it's essentially the top 100, even if they haven't outlined that in their criteria. That's it. You're not going to have this, this collection of great players together anymore. They're going to be going to and playing in Portland. They're going to be going and playing on the PJ tour in Texas, or they're going to be going and playing in London, or they're going to be going and playing uh, in South Carolina. Like they're, they're not going to be together anymore. And then all of a sudden they're going to gather uh, at Augusta national. Are they going to gather next year at Oak Hill? Are they going to gather at LACC or they're going to be gathering at where's next year? Roller uh, I sure hope so. Uh, and so like, those are the, the four weeks. If anything, it's going to be get, get bigger. And next year, in particular, after this whole fallout, uh, and after all the dust settles, the majors are going to take on even more importance. And yes, that's exactly what golf is going to need, is going to be those four weeks. Look at you. Stepping to the, I am so proud of you. Stepping to the table and owning the most extreme view you take you pro- possibly could. It's Forget about those who wrote last night that this is what golf needs. You know what? The four majors are what golf needs forever. Yes. That's your take. Yep. No. Like, no. look at you. No. It big. No. I'm not saying that. I'm saying regular season Got golf. what you said. Regular season golf is basically getting detonated. Like, it's, it's getting absolutely torpedoed. Regular season golf is going to be 
not utterly meaningless, but if the PGA Tour product is dramatically weakened and if and if Live Golf could never take off because they don't have any of the top 10 players, like that's going to be unwatchable too. Like it's just going to it's just going to kind of stink. Like if you want to watch good golf in mid-February or mid-May, like not sure where to like not sure where to point you because both products aren't going to be particularly good. But the majors, however, that's the one time, excuse me, the four times that they're going to gather, and those will be uh, absolutely irresistible with storylines and drama and, and compelling golf. Uh, I, again, I'm not going to disagree with that, because, but I think that's the way it normally is. I, I think what we're saying has that's always not been true, so. Because throughout the course of the year, you can have a great field at Torrey. You can have a great, certainly have a great field at Riviera with Tigers event. The Players' Championship is kind of the Masters preview, right? You have the, the WGC match play. We have top 64 in the world. Jack's Place always draws a great crowd. Some years, uh, Wells Fargo when it's at Quell Hollow. And then you, you look, uh, the Scottish Open is going to draw a great field. Like, all that is going to change. The FedEx Cup playoffs are, are going to change because you're not going to have all of the best players competing on a regular basis anymore. I'm going to fire back and just look at this week's field at the Travelers. And you have Roy, and you had Jordan, and you have Scotty Scheffler, and you have Justin Thomas. And are, are we missing a few players that, for whatever reason, decided or cannot play Travelers? And I'm talking about the ones who cannot play. It's because they're either indefinitely suspended to resign their membership. We all know that. Yes, of course. That's always been the case. We haven't gotten the top 50 in the world at Travelers Championship ever in the history of mankind. And I think you could probably say the thing about John Deere or the 3M or the Rocket Mortgage the, the or any of those events. is that more guys are going to go, right? That, that what the PGA Tour boasts right now in 52 weeks will not be true. That well, the but the, na- the players I just that's, named, that's, that's the, the ones that's that the matter are – but the players I just named. And, again, I go back to the idea that every name that I've heard that's come up that's committed – it's been a name that we have talked about probably for the better part of two to three years. We've known which side of the fence they're, they're on. We've known they've been leaning in Liv Goff's direction. Abe Answer is a name that's come up in the last 24 hours. We've known he's Adios. been leaning in that direction. Adios. I don't think that you should have said it that way. Brooks Kepka is a name that's going to come up, and he's probably going to end up going by all accounts. It's a name that's been associated with Liv Goff for a long time until a big name crops up that we have not heard. Until we get a surprise on that list, and I'm just throwing this out there, and I have no way of knowing this, and I truly believe that Justin Thomas is fully committed to the PGA Tour. But if, for example, Justin Thomas commits to live golf, then that one's going to surprise me. Then we're going to sit down and have a much longer podcast and a a much bigger conversation because I feel a year from now, the names that I just rattled off who are playing the Travelers Championship will still be playing the Travelers Championship. And we'll, we'll be missing some names. We'll be missing the Phil Mickelsons and the Dustin Johnsons and the Bryson DeChambeaus, but we'll still have some really good names. So I'm not willing to go out on that limb quite yet and say that the model as it is right now has imploded, which I think is what you're trying to say. No, I'm saying there, there's certainly a realistic possibility that that could be the case. If they've got 48, I disagree play, with if, if they no. got 48 spots they need to fill, there's nothing keeping them from, from uh, turning that into 72 or 75 or what, however big they want to make <clears throat> their, their eventual league. Okay, the then? thinking, right. at least on the live side, is that if you're going to give them death by a thousand cuts, eventually there's going to be a feeding frenzy for some of those final spots, for guys, the big name players 
who don't want to miss, who don't want to miss out on that guaranteed payday, who don't want to miss out on what could potentially be the future of regular season golf. And then you're going to have kind of the, the panic defection, which is where you could lose some of those players. That is the thinking, at least. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that is a possibility, and it might even be a realistic possibility that that could eventually happen. Will that happen next month? Absolutely not. I think we're going to have a slow trickle here of names that you may or may not care about. You and I uh, shared or shared a rental car this week uh, after your little mishap with your driver's license, and we went. Who knew those ranking. things expired? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, apparently uh, the, the Hertz fella did. Um, but we went down, I think the top 25 players in the world and either for selfish reasons uh, with our jobs or uh, personal reasons, professional reasons, whatever you want to do. We went down and said, would you miss you? Would, would you miss him? Would you uh, not? That was a fun him? conversation. We should do the entire blog. Just I mean, again, this is you and I spending an hour in the car together, but we essentially went through the entire tour and would you miss him? Would you not miss him? I think and, I said, what did I say? Four or five guys that I said I would miss. Uh, it, it wasn't a lot. I think the, the, the most comedic that's not, part. And that's about a bad all of it, sign. That is a terrible, terrible sign. Well, and I, you, you being, you, I think you were being a little hard on that in that particular case, but the most comedic part about all this is when you, I would say a name and you would say yes or no. All you would do, yes. That's the, do that again. And give him the give him the old thumbs out. You're out of here. There it is. Abe answer. Right. Matt Wolf. Jason Kokrak. Probably Brooksy. See, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, it is fun. It's sad production value that we don't have any sounds that we could actually. No, we're doing this on thirty dollars mics. Attached yeah. to some Zoom calls. No. It's, this is a very um, sad, pathetic operation. No, but it's a good conversation because I think what we got to, the conversation turned to the idea that am I going to miss Bryson DeChambeau as a person? Not necessarily because I don't pretend to be friends with Bryson DeChambeau. I don't pretend to be friends with any of the players. I could be friendly with them, <laughs> but I, journalistically, <clears throat> I try. What are you saying there? What, you, what, what, what is that? What are, you, what are we doing? Go on. Continue. Journalistically, I can be friendly with them. But you sure. cannot be friends with him. And in this particular case, no, I'm not going to miss Bryson DeChambeau as a buddy I like to hang out with. As a story, as a subject, as someone who continues to fill my notebook and continues to allow easily, me to do what I Easily do. the biggest loss of this player so far. I'm going to easily. miss him so much. I, I stay up at night and, and I cry in a, in a fetal position. It, it makes me sad that he is now gone. Brooksy, maybe not so much because he's not Are a season Brooksy. No, thank you. But if he can't, if he somehow he gets shot out of major championships, then yeah, I think I'd be uh, a little, a little bit upset. Uh, his performances in major championships are certainly entertaining. I'm not taking that away from all. The, the competitive side of this is, of course, impressive to the extreme. Interview wise, no, I'm not going to miss. Brooksy, by the way, have. major championships Joel- this year. Miscut T55, 55. Not, not great. Not great. We Bob. don't. I think we mentioned this to each other. That I, are, are we ready? Are we going to wait one more major before we drop the hammer on that one? We're going to wait, aren't we? Wait for St. Andrews? Uh, I think, well, I think we want to see what happens with the live golf discussion. The, the, the testiness that he showed in his pre-tournament uh, news conference at Brookline suggests that something is afoot uh, with King Kepka. Let's just put it that way. And if he, if he goes, and look, we have no idea, and I think we had this discussion with a group of journalists last week that I don't, believe anything I hear now. I've learned after doing this now for two years that I can, all the rumors are fun and we're talking about players and money and everything else that goes into this live golf situation until I actually see it. I don't believe it simply because I have seen, I've heard too many rumors that don't come true or haven't come true. 
But if Brooksy it comes true, that soundbite is going to come back to bite him time and time and time again because you can't hide from that one. That one is 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 that's read my lips, no new taxes. That that's Bush era nonsense. You, you didn't get that reference, did you? A little, a little dated, uh, but that that's that's okay, Dad. Happy Father's Day to me. Uh, to your to your point about rumors, I've heard. Uh, Hideki is going for four hundred million dollars, and I've also oh, heard the Hideki is go. not going. <laughs> I've also heard it's the not Hideki going is, at all. It's not. It's not, yeah. not going at all. I do not know what to believe, and so I'll just sit and wait uh, until the press release comes across uh, my laptop from Live Golf that says these guys are officially going. Until then, uh, I don't know what to believe, who to believe, or uh, how, when to believe all these things. Are happening as you mentioned, Rex. There is going to be some news on Tuesday, seven thirty player meeting. I guess they're going to be giving coffee, donuts, croissants, bagels, uh, French toast, pancakes, eggs, bacon, uh, sort of thing at seven thirty a.m. And then the policy board meeting. What's going to happen? What's what's going down on Tuesday? Um, what I was told, it's going to be more of a Q and A that the commissioner Jay Monahan does have some prepared statements, and I'm sure it's going to focus on live. My understanding is the afternoon. Policy board meeting is probably a little bit more important in the larger picture. They're addressing a couple of different things, including whatever it is that's going to happen to the fall schedule. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before, that the idea is to create this three or four event sort of international series, top 50 players, free money, big purses, that type of thing. And it's a direct response to live golf. And then, of course, you need to figure out, well, what happens to the rest of the players and what happens to the existing fall events. I think the bigger portion of that policy board meeting, which will probably be a bigger portion of the player meeting in the morning is where we go with the DP world tour. They announced their strategic Alliance. Well, I think it's been three years now, and we have a co-sanctioned event. Scottish opens a co-sanctioned event coming up in a few weeks. There's some tension between those two organizations. And the idea is that the PGA tour probably wants to become a bigger partner. Let's say, and the DP world tour, however it is that plays out. And right now, I think the policy board has a decision to make because if the tour does not go all in, and by that, I mean probably outright purchase. Yes. DP World Tour, that there's the opportunity there, at least according to various reports and the people I've spoken to, that DP World would turn to live golf. And this is just a financial conversation. What about face? The betrayal. Could be. be That'd be a juicy little subplot. It could be. And I I think the timing of there was a memo last week from Keith Pelley to the membership. He's this uh, chief executive officer of the DP World Tour talking about how he was going to handle his players. He went to live golf and they still have not done anything. They did not follow the tour's lead. And it's been noticeable because they have not been nearly as hard lined as Jay Monahan has been. And he actually uh, Pelley put the decision off until next week or this week, sorry, Thursday, June 23rd. I believe that's Thursday. And he said, they'll make a decision. And I think that's in direct response to the ball is in the tours court right now. And if you want to go all in on the DP world, that now's the time to do it. And if not, I can imagine a scenario where we're having an emergency podcast talking about what it means that live golf bought the DP world tour. I hope not. Cause I will be about, four or five Sazeracs deep and probably uh, on my second uh, platter of raw oysters. You can certainly wait until Saturday night. You think we can wait until Saturday night for the emergency pod? Uh, That's just called a pod in that, that, that instance. So yes, we probably could. 
it, an emergency pod indicates that you know you, you, you do it. It's a, happening right now. Yes, there's some sort of news element to it. That let's get this out quickly. Let's let's be reactive to what's happening in the world. I was going to do, and, and we're so deep in the pod, we're never going to res- get a response to this. But I, I would be curious people's reactions to if we did like a ten or fifteen minute pod every night at a major championship thursday friday saturday sunday do you think Ooh. that would what do you think about that i like the idea i feel like we should do that we're a multimedia company that tends to act like we still do things as if it's 1985 i'd love to do it folks why don't you can you guys can you guys tweet at us or email us you can find it in our twitter accounts but at rex hogger gc at ryan lander gc let us know if you want us to do daily pods at the majors it wouldn't have to be this whole long what are we going like an hour on this 10, 15 minutes uh, uh, yeah. yeah it'd be uh, okay maybe not uh, let's call it 15 to 20 we'd recap the day's uh storylines we would look ahead to the next day we would have to have our crack video team uh turn this thing around quickly for you guys let us know tweet at us if this is something that you want to do rex and i have talked about doing it for a while we don't know if there's any interest until we hear from you guys uh we won't do it but at least, at least give us a sense of what you guys well, are thinking, Rex. We've, we've gone. For we like, we a, like the content. We yeah, like to we do like it. The, we like the content. We 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 got takes. We got things to say. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how much fun we would have had with the the father son duo had we actually done this Saturday night when you and I still could not stop laughing about it? Oh, I mean, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have even talked about the golf. We wouldn't have talked about John Rahm's double bogey. We wouldn't have talked about Zalatoris and uh, Fitzpatrick. Cold Nicole Lee. We wouldn't have talked about Rory fading. We would have literally just gone over this over and over again. Little father-son jokes. We would have uh, kicked around some nicknames for what uh, our pod could be called. It would be, it'd be a whole thing. Uh, Rex, we've gone way too long on this podcast, as is. You need to get ready for your big present. Uh, reveal, I need to go cook some steaks for Cam, because uh, apparently that's what a three-year-old requested uh, while I was gone. Next week, We'll have fallout potentially from the policy board meeting, some news potentially about the DP World Tour. Rex will give us a sense of how things are in Ireland because Rex will be the Golf Central reporter next week for the Irish Open beginning. Not what it, not a fortnight, whatever you call a three-week stay. What is that called? I was going to look that up. I, I was no curious idea. about that. I don't know. Uh, you guys can tweet at us as well about that. Rex is beginning a, a three-week sojourn uh, with his wife. Pray for Rex. Hashtag pray for Rex and Dion, I guess, uh, if she's going to be uh, with Rex for three weeks. Uh, and I'll, of course, be recapping uh, my debauchery with my 65-year-old father uh, in New Orleans. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you guys next week, unless we emergency pod, in which case we'll come do it live. Talk to you tomorrow.